All right, welcome back to Lindraw Talkie Podcast. We're in productions with a uh, BNG, the Black and Gold Hockey Production Studio. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindraw. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. This is episode 50 for us. Yes, big 5-0. And, we just celebrated uh, our one year. We have a, a, a not our normal guest. This is going to be a great time. Uh, go right in the intro. I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So our next guest is what was uh, soon to be a Canadian TV star. So his four-part series is called Relentless, the Kevin Porter Story. It's available on demand via Hollywood suite only in Canada at the moment. We'll get into hopefully availability throughout the rest of the world later. Kevin is a 45 year old firefighter who's working towards his dream of making it into playing professional hockey. The guy is tougher than nails and has more drive, determination and guts than anyone in the game today. And that is true. Without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Kevin Porter. How are you doing today, man? I'm well, guys. Can I, uh, can I just start off the uh, podcast? I'm, I'm actually 46. 46. So, yeah. yeah, sorry. I mean, who's counting? It's a year, but like, let's be accurate because uh, I, I don't like to falsify any information. And I mean, it is what it is. I, I used to want to hide my age when I started on this hockey journey. I thought it'd be a detriment. Now I look at ways that I can kind of um, use it to my advantage. So um, well, and it, least, you yeah. know, honesty and integrity for me is a huge thing, right? Especially in a, you know, in any sport and especially with team sports and hockey, um, you know, we're, we're big role models for a lot of, of kids and people. And so let's, we'll just be honest. And I am 46, 46 <laughs> elite prospects right. trying to make them seem a little younger than for the, for the scouts, for the other teams. And <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin, uh, I just want to set the stage for the viewers. So um, you are a full-time firefighter, also uh, a, param- a paramedic working ambulance, uh, two different places, as well as training for hockey correct that is correct yes so I do want to kind of throw this out there so my wife is a physician and uh, she changed jobs for for about eight years she worked in the uh, urgent care and in the urgent care they always had a physician uh, a registered nurse or nurse practitioner and always two paramedics and they were always full-time firefighters and so not to say that I understand the firefighter culture but as I'm looking at you and I invite our listeners to click links and take a look at you, you look like every firefighter that my wife has had tough as nails, body. I mean, you're in the best shape of anybody I've seen in a long time. So I, I know that's a firefighter thing. You have to, but it seems like firefighters take care of their body better than anybody. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, it's obviously life or death for us. It can be, um, I owe it to myself, my family, my coworkers and the public to be in the best shape, like to be in superhuman shape. Right. It's, it's really non-negotiable. Um, and, and same with being a paramedic, you know, police officer, even, you know, correctional guards and military, like there's a huge onus for us all to be in, in magnificent shape. Um, you don't have to look like a Greek God, but you know, uh, being in shape is, is obviously paramount to our success and, and, and safety at work. Um, in relation to hockey, I mean, uh, the type of training that I do with Muay Thai and an, an off ice conditioning, it always did me well with firefighting. And I was able just to kind of morph it into hockey and, and, you know, a few minor adjustments and, uh, and everything works with hockey as well. So, so for the listeners that aren't aware of, of Kevin's story, 
uh, in 2000, and we'll get into this, about 2010, he made a serious effort uh, in, in his later years, shall we say, to try to, you know, make it in a pro hockey. And uh, so he's a little bit late to the game, but that's why we have him on here today. He's got this huge documentary about his journey thus far through it. Uh, but I would like to take it a little bit back to the beginning, Kevin. Growing up in Kitchener, Ontario, you played hockey like every other kid. And everybody's got that dream of being drafted in the OHL and moving on from there. But if I understand correctly, you had a, a really bad accident with your hand and also death of, of some family members that just kind of impacted you at that moment that you weren't able to be drafted and hockey just wasn't in the cards for you at that period of time. Is that what's going on with that story? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was 1991 and I was playing, you know, double a hockey in Kitchener and, you know, it was a little bit, every kid goes through different growth spurts. I was probably, you know, at the time, five, six, five, seven, I think I maxed out at like five, 10 right now, five, nine and a, and a, and a smidgen. But, um, you know, you're, you're growing up and your, your, your body's in a different state of, of growing and you're in development, your hockey skills, everyone grows at a different rate. I was playing double A and, and having some good success with the team. Um, my Nana, who actually had lived with us, my mom's mom, uh, had breast cancer and it was in remission and they came back in January of 92. She passed away. Um, shortly after that, six of us were cut from the double A team and sent down to the single A squad. Uh, the season wasn't going so well and the coaching staff felt like they wanted to make changes. So, you know, down six of us went and then March 31st of that year, my mom passed away in a construction accident with her boyfriend. Um, he didn't pass away, but he, he was there. Um, you know, so that was a massive, uh, man, it was, uh, you know, probably the most difficult time of my life. And, um, following that, you know, so after March, I, I, I was bound and determined. I'm like, I'm going to make this triple A team come the fall. Um, like I'm just kind of fast forwarding things here a little bit, but I was so bound and determined Like I did everything in my power from, you know, April 1st on, um, to the fall tryout, got to tryouts and had my hand slashed and broken my left, my left thumb and my wrist from a slash. So, you know, it is what it is. I had to, you know, sit down, reassess life, figure out what I wanted to do, um, which is all very challenging for, you know, a 16 year old uh, at that time, especially, um, you know, there were changes with living arrangements with my, my father and my stepbrother, my stepmom, my sisters. And I kind of got away from the game for a few years. Um, and then it's, you know, it all came back when I got in the fire department, I started playing again. And here we are. Yeah. And Kevin, I was actually just about to lead in an asset. So you began to play hockey again. I believe it was at the, around the age of 24 and you're playing in different firefighter and beer leagues. So what made you get back into the game? Well, I, I started, I, I think I was, when I got on the fire department in Brampton, I was 26 and we had like seven teams at the time. I mean, I was, they asked me in the interview, they're like, do you play hockey? I'm like, yes, you know, yes, sir. And no, sir. And they're like, well, we have seven hockey teams. So I'm like, well, this Seven. is the fire department. Yeah. And, and we, we'd go to tournaments and just light it up. Like every team was winning their division and a lot of fun. Um, you know, over the years, the numbers have dwindled and stuff, but um, we really did quite well for a number of years. And then I, I saw somewhere like a free agent camp, um, the Toledo walleye 
who they're the East Coast Hockey League team to the Grand Rapids Griffins and Detroit Red, Red Wings. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to head down to this thing and, 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 and you know, see how, you know, see how it goes. That was after 2010 when I had the little, little accident at work with my, with my crewmates. You know, I was just like, you know, it, it, it's time to try this. Um, life's too short. Obviously, I've been through, um, you know, these types of things, these traumatic events with my family. And now, you know, going through it with my crew at fire, you know, and not only that, but seeing traumatic injuries at work all the time and dealing, trying to mitigate things. I'm like, Jesus, like now it's happened to me. I'm like, I, I get to get on this. Like I just all these feelings and emotions start bubbling up and you're like, this isn't just, it wasn't just a, a fad or a phase for me. It was like, Jesus Christ, like I, I got to do this. So, and I need to put my best foot forward. I need to do my research and figure out, you know, how I'm going to attack it and, and, and go about it. The challenging part with all this obviously is the fire department is usually not just the type of career that you pick up and walk away from. Um, money in the lower level professional leagues is not enough to sustain life in a lot of, a lot of places. It just, it is what it is. Um, so it's been very challenging, obviously, to break away from my careers, both um, with firefighting and paramedics. So, you know, the right opportunity comes up, you know, we'll reassess it then. But So you've got, uh, again, on your social media, uh, you have just tons and tons of, of workout videos. But what's impressive to me is it's not just videos of you, you know, skating around or trying to do this. They see their, their game situations. It's almost like uh, your portfolio to uh, some of these uh, minor league teams that might be looking for a PTO. Is that kind of the design of uh, what you're doing with those videos? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, everything I do, there's kind of purpose behind it. And, and back, I'm going to say it's probably been six years now when I had the agent uh, in town here where I live and, and real high, high end agent, it just wasn't happening. Uh, was getting the bites. Uh, he's like, you know, your age and, and, you know, the lack of stats and games. Okay. That's cool. I understand that. So how can I, what else can I do? Right. Instead of sitting around feeling sorry for myself, what else can I do to help mitigate this? Right. So if you're going to sit around and complain or feel sad for yourself, at least do something about it. So rather than me sitting you know, around crying about it, I'm like, okay, there's things I need to work on. I hired a skating coach. Um, you know, I, I've got, had gone to see shooting coaches and I've had goaltending coaches come out to show me different things with goaltenders. And it just really evolved over the years. And I looked at it as just a massive, a project for me and something that I, I haven't put an end game, an end goal to, um, I, I have, you know, obviously goals and dreams, like every hockey player, every athlete, you know, you want to reach the pinnacle of your sport if you can, or as high as you can go. Um, so I've just managed to, chip away at it, have fun. And, um, you know, I've gotten incrementally better every time I go out. So, so you do get a skating coach and I, I remember seeing the video, uh, with her, uh, helping you skating, but how did you get involved with Eddie Chow? With Eddie Choi? Yeah. Eddie. So, uh, I was fortunate enough to, I had some newspaper articles done on me, um, by the Toronto Sun. And Eddie saw the article and just moseyed on down to the rink one day. I was on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs practice pad one morning. And I was actually with Vanessa Crone, who's my skating coach, who I was out with this morning. 
And I looked up into the stands and there's Eddie Choi. And I had him on my social media, all my social media platforms. So you start to recognize people, you know, you know them even though you haven't met him, which is, is, is a little bit strange at first, but it was like, we knew each other. He came down to the dressing room after knocked on the door and asked to come in. And, um, you know, we had a chat and I said, Hey, why don't you come out sometime and, you know, we'll have a skate and see how this works out. And, um, his schedule really works with mine. I do most, if not all of my training first thing in the morning after I get off work, uh, I'm on holidays right now. So I was able, you know, to have a nice sleep in my own bed last night and go to, go to the rink. But, um, most, if not all my mornings are done after work. So his schedule just works with mine and, and it's just gelled and, and yeah, we've, we've had a lot of fun and it excelled a lot of things and we've gotten much better. So. So you actually ended up playing in the federal league and then a season in the Swedish hockey leagues. How, how were those experiences for you? I mean, I mean, it was amazing. I, I ended up, well, how Sweden came about and I was division three in, in, in Sweden, not to be confused with the, the top level SHL, but I played three games down in the federal hockey league back. I think it was 2015, 2016 in steel city uh, for the warriors and one of her goaltenders at the time, uh, Brandon, he was going to Sweden. He says, I want you to come over and get you on a team and send some video. And it's a lot of fun. Um, so we did just that. He hooked me up with a, with a guy who's an agent um, with a Swedish background, a Swedish wife, speaks a language, Randy Edmonds. And, you know, Randy pointed me in the right direction. We had a couple um, responses from different teams. And he hooked me up with, uh, with Ora, the team I played with. Um, I went over there and then, and had a ton of fun. I mean, we practiced more than we played because over there they, they were practice every day, but they'd have, I think I had like three weekends off in like the six months I was there just with bye weekends where you'd have a bye weekend and, and you didn't have to play, which was, I mean, I wasn't complaining. I'm in a foreign country. I'm traveling around sightseeing. Um, it was beautiful. I had a lot of good friends on the team who I still keep in contact with um, over social media. And it was just a wonderful experience. So. So at what point did you get involved with the documentary? So the documentary, I mean, it's been going on now for, I'd say about three and a half to four years. Um, Ryan saw the newspaper article in, in the Toronto Sun on the front page, like Eddie. Um, and then Ryan contacted me, um, it was through LinkedIn and, you know, said, you know, this is what we do. Um, this is what we're offering. Would you like to meet up for lunch? We can discuss matters. And then, yeah, we, uh, we met up, we had lunch and, you know, cappuccino and talked about it a few days later, I made my decision and, uh, and we, we started filming and they came along for the ride. I like people to understand that this isn't something I sought out. I did not seek out to do the documentary Hollywood suite. They sought me out to do it. And that's important for me to relate to people because I don't want the hockey thing and the athleticism and the drive to be lost through the documentary. Like, I don't want people thinking, Oh, he's just doing this to make a documentary. Right. Oh, so they were following, they followed me because of the, the, the journey that I am still on um, and, and looking to conquer. So, you know, it, they were wonderful in the process. They're an incredible group of people. Um, we had a lot of fun, super professional, um, you know, you've probably seen the documentary if you, if you haven't yet and you nope. will, um, it was done. It was tremendously good. And, um, yeah. 
that's that. Yeah, no, we haven't had a chance to, to see it. I can't seem to be able to get it on demand down here, but maybe I got to search a little bit harder, but uh, I can't wait to see it. And while it makes a great story, like you say, that's not really what, you know, it is about. Uh, it's about this journey and you're continuing this journey, but what happened with COVID? Uh, it might have not have messed up uh, you personally, but uh, a lot of teams weren't playing or half seasons. How did COVID affect you and, and your mission to try to get on a team? Well, I, it was kind of twofold. Like at first I thought, Oh man, this will be, this will be great. Like, I mean, I was inoculated because I'm a paramedic. I was inoculated my vaccine way back. Like the first three weeks of January, I was done. So I was like, man, like I'm vaccinated. Like I'm good to go, man. Like if guys start dropping because of COVID call me, right. I'm your guy. And I figured, you know, that would be not one angle, but an angle that I may be able to, to have in my back pocket that, that would help me, um, you know, along with my training videos and everything else I was doing, I thought, man, that's instead of looking at it as a negative, maybe, you know, if, if, if teams are looking for guys, maybe I can just kind of jump in. Um, it didn't happen because like you were alluding to a lot of teams were shut down. So there was a whack of guys looking for spots to play. And, and, and a lot of guys didn't play and probably gave up hockey. I took it. I looked at it the other way where I said, you know what? I have time now um, to work on some things to maybe lurch ahead of my competition in a way. Um, I was very fortunate. I was still able to skate a little bit through some friends where I live. Uh, I was able to train at, at a gym, a private gym. I have a gym here at my house. I have a gym at the fire hall. So I was able to really kind of like push the envelope um, even through the pandemic and stay motivated. But I had gained, you know, way too much in the way of, of, of hockey, uh, like just everything I had just excelled too much to let the pandemic stop me. Like there was no way I was going to let this, I mean, who knew it was going to go on for this long. It's still ongoing up here uh, to some, some, some degree, but I just didn't want it to end because of that, you know, like you want things to end on your terms, not, you know, what was going on in the world at the time and still is. So, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about your support team. So I, I imagine your support team is headed by your wife, who's been very supportive, at least from what I could gather in the in the media. Um, how important is the positive support for you going through this, uh, you know, mission to make it on a, on a pro team? Well, it's incredibly important. Um, I, I'm extremely self-driven. Um, and I'd be lying to you if I said that, I need a lot of people around me. I mean, I feel honestly like I probably perform the best when I feel like I'm an underdog and I, like I handle pressure. Well, I actually kind of crave pressure and failure to a point because it just makes me stronger. So, you know, every time someone says no, or, you know, I don't get an email back or I get the response I'm not looking for, or, you know, it actually just, it just hardens, it just hardens me you know, and it just makes me want to do it more. Having said that, no, Ashley's extremely supportive. Um, you know, we're going through some things. We're trying to have a baby right now. And, and, and that's been very challenging in the last four years. So, 
you know, dealing with everything and, you know, I, I've become very good at, um, and, and I learned this as a youngster when I was 16, I, I needed to learn how to separate things and focus on a task. So, you know, no matter what happened at work the night before, when I'm at the rink, that's what I'm focused on. When I'm at the gym, that's what I'm focused on. If I'm playing a game, it's a shift. That's what I'm focused on. If I'm at home with her or I'm out doing whatever, that's what I'm focused on. So you have to be able to kind of put all your efforts up on one point and just focus on the task at hand. And like, I think how it relates to hockey and hockey development, that's how I've been able to, to excel is, is just being able to focus um, even when the chips are down. So. So I saw that you had worked with one of our personal favorite guests on, on the podcast, uh, Jimmy Thompson. So what did you do with him and how was your experience with him? Yeah, Jimmy's a great man. Uh, we, we worked together years ago. Um, I skated with his kids uh, during the summer and, you know, Jim's been a, a mentor to me and, and uh, he still is to this day. He's been super supportive in so many ways. And um, yeah, Jimmy's been a great uh a great guy for me. He's, he's told me things I liked. He's told me things that I haven't liked. <laughs> uh, you take everything with a grain of salt and you formulate your own opinion and, and, and how you want to go about things. So um, yeah, Jimmy's a great man. So uh, just cause we love to, we love the hockey connection on our podcast. It seems to me on social media that David Ling is part of your documentary. At least he jumped in there and he was another one of our favorite guests on the podcast. So since we haven't been able to see that, what, what did Linger say? What was his role in the documentary? Um, yeah. So I've known Dave for a number of years and uh, Dave was playing with the Brampton beast um, near the end of his hockey career. I, I think I think he's a year older than me. Um, and I, I've skated with Linger a couple times in Hamilton uh, with the Steelhawks uh, for a tryout. Um, yeah, he, he was just super supportive of, of me and everything I was trying to do. And I think, you know, our age and maybe style of play is relatable. And um, yeah, he just, he got on the documentary and, and Ryan Maines, the producer, uh, had a, an interview with Dave and um, yeah, it was really cool to have him on. So before I, I, I ask a couple of specific hockey questions for you, um, what's been the response uh, for the documentary so far up there? So it dropped at the, uh, uh, the end of September into October, right? What's been the response so far? It, it's been really positive as far as I can tell. I mean, let's face it, right? You're always going to have, the, you're going to have positive response. You're going to have negative. You're going to have, um, people that are, you know, with you and against you and haters and naysayers. And, but it's, it, it's just a product of, of how life is now. And I think you just have to learn how to deal with all those good things and take the good with the bad and, and filter out what you want to hear and deal with and filter out what you don't want to deal with. And um, I, I think that's really important for an athlete because, you know, I'll use Toronto as an example. Uh, I mean, you know, Twitter mania is, is running wild here all the time. Right. And, and, and with the local teams and the criticism and everyone's an expert and everybody knows everything. And I just look at it and I have fun with it. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't drive me a little bit when someone says something negative, but you know, the odd time I'll just type something back on social media. If there's a negative comment, I'll just give them my ice time and tell them to come out. So 
you know, they're always welcome to come out for a skate or a workout at the gym or the boxing club, but <laughs> it's funny. No one's taken me up on it yet. So no, yeah, I don't think they would. <laughs> no, they would. The offer's there. I will pay for the ice. I'll even buy uh, breakfast after. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, this, I, I don't know why. <laughs> now this, this could happen. So are you prepared though, that, you know, if this thing gets legs and there's been a lot of documentaries that uh, start out and they might not, uh, get legs at the beginning, but six months down the road, all of a sudden you're a big star. You got uh, a lot of, uh, you know, fans might not be uh, general managers or director of hockey operations, but a lot of fans out there and, and you may be getting all sorts of gigs for public speaking, or are you kind of prepared that if this thing takes legs that it might take you to a place that you're not even thinking of? Well, you know, I, I, my primary focus is obviously the hockey. Right. And it still is. So I don't think, in fact, I know that nothing's going to stand in the way of that until I say like, we're shutting her down. Um, I've just, like I said to you earlier in the podcast, I've just come way too far with my training. I feel like I still, and, and people might think I'm crazy, but I know that I have something to offer still as a player, as an athlete. And I bring a lot from outside the rink and I bring a lot, to the, I got bring a lot to a team on the ice. Um, you know, the investment, I mean, you know, my wife and I were talking last night, she says, you know, they're invested in the young guys because they're bringing them up. And I said, well, the young guys don't always work out. I've invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in training my own time, my own blood, sweat and tears in the gym, in the ring, um, you know, on the ice with skating coaches, shooting coaches, this, that, and everything else. And so I feel like, I mean, I've, I've invested in myself and I'm ready to help a team out. They just have to show me some plays and a couple, couple little drills and, and I'll do the rest. But um, that's kind of the way I, I look at it. And I, I think the more you play the game and you're involved, I'll be able to relate to players and, and coaches and athletes and, and team staff, even more so down the road, because I'd like to stay involved in hockey and I'd like to be, more involved with the team down the road um, in player development and, and helping the young guys, you know, achieve their goals. But I, I think me doing all this stuff right now, um, you know, it can only add to that in a good way. And, and I'm having fun doing it. So, you know, why not keep doing it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So you've been invited to uh, some pro camps. Um, and like you said earlier in the podcast, uh, you know, the hockey game is, is, is a stat numbers game and, and, you know, you might not have the stats, so to speak. What has been some of the feedback that you've gotten from some of the pro camps that you've attended? Did they give you any feedback at all? Or it's like, thank you for coming. Well, absolutely. Like, you know, going back to um, heading down to uh, Toledo um, with the walleye, like Nick Vitusi, who was the head coach at the time, you know, he, he would meet up with me or send me emails and, you know, tell me what he liked, tell me what I needed to work on. And, and I never, you know, obviously took anything personal. I was always very gracious for the opportunity and, and, and for any tips, because that's how you get better, right? The constructive criticism. So, you know, I would just dissect what I needed to work on and, and just, you know, go back and, and, and do that. And, um, you know, I managed to get my, like, you know, I do a lap time at the end of every skate. I managed to get my lap time down to 13.56 seconds, which, you know, is pretty good. I mean, I got wheels, so it's just, it's something I take great pride in. And, um, 
like I said, I love the game. I love the development side of it. I love pushing myself. Um, you know, I have to be obviously, I'm very cognizant of my training because of my work schedule as well. So I'm, I'm super, super, um, regimented with, you know, rehab with prehab, with massage, with Cairo, with physio, everything to keep my body in top shape so I can perform on and off the ice. So, um, yeah, I could take it super seriously. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit, a bit about hockey. So we're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we actually have an ECHL team, Tulsa Oilers, and uh, uh, we're actually season ticket holders. And we go down there and we've had a lot of guys on our podcast as well, but it seems to me, and, and we're not going to talk anything of the negative because like you say, this everything is, is sort of negative about how, you, you know, what's stacked against you or the challenges are in front of you, but let's talk the positives. It seems from our perspective, the ECHL, they don't really think long-term. They think short of short-term. And, and a lot of guys are rotating kind of what you said, you know, in and out of these teams, whether they're being called up or they're being let go or they're put on PTOs and they're kind of filling in spots when needed. It seems to me that the East Coast League uh, would be uh, more of, a, I think, positive for you with the exception of maybe, like you said, you can't just leave your job to, you know, make a league East coast minimum, but it seems like the East coast league, um, you know, I'm surprised no one's kind of scoffed you up because they're more focused about tonight's game rather than three years from now trying to develop somebody. Yeah, well, absolutely. So I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a super big, you know, you always talk about hockey guys like, you know, Mark Scheifele or uh, Jason Spezza being big hockey nerds and, they watch all the games and this and that. Well, I, I'm constantly on the, uh, you know, the East Coast Hockey League, you know, the, the waiver wire and the trade. And there's a website you can go on to see, you know, who's injured, who's got sent down, who got called up from the SP. And it's, you know, the SPHL to the East Coast, East Coast to the AA to the N. And so I, I kind of watch all these things online almost daily. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So um, I'm going to say it was about four years ago now with Brampton Beast. Um, they, they have a team. Well, they had a team in Brampton where I worked the fire department. And at the time, Dave Ling was playing for the beast. And I don't know if he knows the story, but he'll hear it. Three or four of their forwards got called up to Oklahoma city, which was, I believe at the time they were the Edmonton Oilers American hockey league club. Yeah. Well, I knew Brampton had games that weekend and I'm like, how the hell are they going to get like four or five guys? Because the East coast, they only usually carry, uh, they would carry three lines of forwards and, you know, I, I think they would only carry six defensemen. So I'm like, well, if they lost three to four guys to the Barons and they were all forwards, um, I tried calling the coach at the time I had his, I think I had his cell number. I actually drove to the rink and I, and I wrote a note and put a note on his door. Um, and I don't know, maybe he thought I was crazy because I never heard back from him. It was Brent Hughes. And Hughes, if you're watching this, I know you know that I did that. <laughs> I was so, like, invested in playing. Um, I remember I called him. I left him a message. I think I emailed him. And I put a note on the door of the Powerade Center in Brampton. And I know I'm going to hear this. I'm going to get hammered by guys. But I don't care because – when you want to do something, you know, I was like, it was like a, 
I think it was like a Friday or something like, Oh my God, I got to act on this now. Like you never know. I know I went to the free agent camp. I had a good showing, you know, just maybe. Right. But it didn't happen. So, you know, it, it was, I, I was a little bit, you know, I, I, it kind of hurt me a little bit. I was like, man, like I'm putting in all this effort and like, I didn't even get a, a phone call back. I don't think. And, you know, it just kind of forced me to keep working. And, and I'm like, you know, it's one team, the team since yeah. folded, they, they folded, um, they didn't do so hot, but you know, it was just one of those things where I, I was so determined and, and so passionate about playing that I just did whatever I could. And, you know, like I drove from, Milton to Brampton just to put the note on the door because I thought man like maybe if the guy actually sees that I was I was here you know either he's gonna think I'm a psychopath right and I'm stalking them or he's gonna look at it the other way and say wow this guy really wants to play right so um I mean it is what it is and uh I, I laugh about it now but at the time like I, I was dead serious like I I was really trying to to do whatever I could and I still am so yeah well and it's a shame that Brampton you know is is not there uh, anymore because I, I think yeah with a different coach at PTO I mean kind of throw some uh, uh, positive vibes your way so in Tulsa a few years ago they had this uh, goalie and he was the Tulsa goalie he played uh, ECHL I think a couple of AHL games in the early 2010s or whatever it was 2000s and uh, here in Tulsa there's not too many guys that can play hockey and so he had stuck around, married, you know, and stuck around in Tulsa. Well, he was an e-bug. Okay, so he's a goalie, he's an e-bug. So he didn't play for eight years, and he got a call from Rob Murray, our coach here in Tulsa, and he was an e-bug. Well, sure than shit, he gets called into the game. The goalie gets knocked out. So he's got this, you know, gear that he's not even put on for eight years, and he's in the game. He wins the game. He stays on the team. He practices with the team. He worked it out with his, with his company that he was working for to allow him to do it. Fast forward, he makes the team the following year, drives them to the conference finals. Wow. Incredible. And, and you know, but he has kind of a similar story where he had to say, I got to invest all these thousands of dollars in new equipment. I got to get myself in game shape. And uh, I got to continue to fight these young guys and the AHL, you know, pull downs coming in. Yeah. And he did it. I think he was there for maybe two or three seasons. He still wants to play. I think he's approaching maybe 40 ish, but uh, you know, I mean, the team had to move on with their younger goalies and all that stuff, but, you know, throwing that out there that this is not, especially at the East coast league, something that's unheard of. Well, let's not forget either. Uh, another person we had on here, Bobby Robbins, Bobby Perry. Robbins. He's the oldest. I mean, you probably know this too, Kevin. He's the oldest NHL rookie ever at the age of 32. And I mean, after his AHL days, he was bouncing around uh, other European leagues, ended up making it back to Providence and then played for the Boston. So you never know, but he's obviously, you got the drive and determination to do it. So I don't know. We, we're not preaching to you, but yeah, this is not unheard of is what we're saying. 32, he's such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look at he could play today, I think. Yeah. Like, this is how I kind of, you know, this is how Kevin Porter sees it. So, if I can work a 24 hour shift at the fire hall and I can go to the arena in an altered state, you know, physically and mentally tired and crush it for an hour and get incrementally better every skate, if I'm rested, okay. You play a 20 minute period out of the 20 minutes, 
you probably play seven to 12 minutes. You go have a nice 20 minute break. You have some Gatorade and a banana or power or biosteel. And then you do it again for the second period. Then you have a nice 20 minute break. And then you do it again for the third period. Then you have a nice hot shower. You eat a meal, you go home. You know, to me, I'm not going to say that's easy, but considering what I put myself through physically and mentally, I know in my heart, I could easily do that because it's just, it's like the time is so broken up throughout the game that like I used to go on bang, 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 bang. So for me to play seven to 12 minutes, I mean, and if I'm rested, you're going to get an ultra effective forward, both on the forecheck, the back check, hitting, ticks of the puck, shots on goal. I mean, like I'm going to be on fire. So, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm selling myself a bit here, but it's like, to me, it's just the way it is because I'm working in an altered state, tired after work. It wouldn't be hard for me to come in to play seven to 12 minutes a period and contribute to a third or fourth line. Like I just, I just can't see it being a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, we follow, you know, East coast league, you know, pretty close uh, since we go to a lot of games that, uh, you know, you definitely fit in there. No problem. And it, it, it's, it's a rough league, but like I said, there's, there's uh, definite, I think, places and spots. Uh, it just might be your location might be tough for you, but uh, you know, I, I, I would, if I had to be a betting man, I mean, I'd definitely say that you could, you could play some East coast hockey if you, if you wanted to, because those coaches, you know, if you like, if you look at the transaction wires, they're just bringing in, you know, people when they, they, they need them. And PTOs and some of these players we've seen on PTOs, I mean, they're not, they've never played hockey before, like at all, especially here in Tulsa. You know, I mean, the coaches had to reach out to guys that might have played high school hockey to fill in three or four games, you know, since, you know, whatever, guys are rehabbing or get called up. So uh, I think it's a, I, I don't think what you're trying to do is out of the realm of possibility. I, I don't think so. And I don't think your age really matters to these coaches because it's what you can do for them. Now they don't give a shit. You're 46. If you can, like you say, play a good 10 minutes a game, that's all they want. Well, I, I can tell you with 100% certainty, I've reached out to coach Murray in Tulsa um, on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, and I, and I, I drove to rapid city. So half car will travel airplanes, right? I don't, I don't care if I got to take a Greyhound to get to the rink. I'll, I'll get there. So, yeah. And, you know, under the gear and, and the helmet and the sweaty visor and everything else, I mean, unless you're right up next to me, you're not going to, you're not going to look at me and say, oh, he's 46 years old. You're going to judge me. You know, what am I doing on the ice? Right. How, how effective am I shift in and shift out? And, you know, the way I train my, all my training is set up, especially at the Muay Thai club and boxing club, 45, you know, second shifts to a three minute round when I'm doing Muay Thai, which I've done my whole life. So the conditioning, you know, to me, it's like, you know, I, I'm good to go. Like I'm confident. I feel great. I'm in the best shape of my life. So, um, you know, if you're out there as a player for any more than 50 seconds, you're riding the pine. Right. Okay. So, and especially if you're 50 seconds to a minute, not effective, you're going to get a chat to from the coach. So, you know, go out 35, 40 seconds, do your job up and down the ice, hard hitting back, checking, take your man for check, do your job and get off the ice. So nice. Nice. Well, Kevin, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Is there, 
Is there anything that, that uh, since we are podcast media, I guess, Andrew, is there anything else that you need to plug? I, I say, you know, you're going to be a pretty big star, man. I think this documentary is going to take off in about six months. Not now, but six. That's my six. that's my bet. Six right. months from now. Once it's North America, I mean, because oh, yeah. oh. now it is only available in Canada, correct? Right we now. talked about this off air, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But distribution the way it is, it's going to be streaming right. in America, absolutely. But uh, yeah, we wish you all the best, Kevin, and we, we can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. And uh, you know, we look forward to following your career, man, because I, I think uh, you know, your better days are still ahead. and. Uh, you know, we'd love to uh, see you out there on the rink, man. If you ever end up in Tulsa playing against Tulsa, we'll uh, we'll have a beer afterwards, a light beer, because you know, he's got to watch his figure. Say, yeah, yeah. I drink, beer. I drink I drink cider, but uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know what? Like I said, just keep focused. It's like anything in life. Like that. That I think one of the things I want to get across to people is like, this isn't just a hockey story. This is about, this is perseverance. This is about having a passion for something. Number one, um, you know, not, not having the easiest time with it. And it, this is translatable to all kinds of things, sports, business, if you're in school for whatever medicine, law, business, whatever, you know, you're in a career that you hate and you want to get out. Like you take the steps, the things you need to do. I mean, I dropped out of high school right. With when all that stuff happened with my mom, um, I dropped out of high school. I had to go back to up my marks to get into the paramedic program. And you know what? I'll be honest, man. Like I've never been an A student. I've gotten through things cause I work hard and I, I grind through it. Right. And I fail at almost everything I do, but I just keep pushing. Cause if I want to do it, you do it. If you don't want to, then you just throw up the white flag and surrender. Right. So I just want to get across to people that it's a story about, you know, perseverance, you know, being relentless, hence, you know, the title, um, you know, never giving up, having ultimate belief in yourself and uh, being able to back it up and, 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 and make it happen. So. Well said, I think that's a great way to, to end this. So Kevin, we'll say goodbye off air, but officially thank you for being on our episode number 50. It's a yes. big, it's a big momentous occasion for us. Yes. Thank you. So Kevin. thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Interesting guest. I hope he makes to the uh, to the pro, yep. whether it be American League, ECHL, heck, even the NHL. You never know. Right. But uh, uh, definitely, I think he's not prepared for the stardom he's probably going to have in documentaries. You know, well, I, I, I really think it's going to catch on, and he's going to, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be a the documentary is going to do well, especially with a North American distribution as well. Well, and he said it's on Netflix, correct? No, it's not. So it's, um, it's only on Suite, correct? Dot ca HollywoodSuite.ca. But it's very much done. I know the stories are different, but all it takes is somebody to pick it up. It's like the Danbury Trasher story on Netflix. Now they got they had randomly got picked up from Netflix. It's a pretty crazy story how they got picked up. But I mean, you know, the same thing's gonna be happening here, especially if his social media videos got picked up by somebody from the Toronto sun and it blew up. And then the documentary came to him. I mean, let's remember it wasn't like Kevin has been searching out to do this documentary to give him even more of a boost. So that being said, yeah, I think that the documentary will catch on. It's only available in Canada, like we mentioned earlier. So we haven't seen it yet, but I mean, based on his story, man, I imagine it's a great documentary. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time with the streaming services, somebody in, in America, you know, will, 
pick up some distribution. And, and I think it's going to be, like you said, you know, the trasher story uh, that's well received on Netflix. And that was just a, you know, us HL, right? UHL. UHL. So this is, you know, this is going to be a, a great story and I, and I hope he makes it. I think, you know, he, he's worked hard and if he gets a PTO uh, on the East coast team, he just got to, you know, get there. And well, and you know, Hey, two coaches, I mean, listen, this is coming from couch potato coaches over here, but you know, fuck the age thing, right? Like we were kind of talking off air with him. Why is age still the, the problem here? If the guy works hard, he works hard. Cause you got all these young prima donnas now of my generation that hey, you got to coddle and Chara's playing, Yager's playing. Now they're elite athletes in the NA or, you know, sure. But you have somebody with that drive and termination, and but dude is in phenomenal. We mentioned, shape. we mentioned our friend, Bobby Robbins. Yeah. You know, huffing and puffing it all the way till he finally got his NHL debut uh, later on in his career. And then again, our, you know, one of our favorite guests, we have a lot of favorite guests, by the way. Yeah. But one of our favorite guests, our first very guest, Ian Kessrich. Yep. Uh, who played in the uh, Central League here in Tulsa and other places. Yep. I, think, I think he might have had a game or two in the AHL. But again, he came back after eight years of not playing, yep. made the made the uh, Tulsa Oilers for real after being an emergency call-up, yep. made the team, drove them to the conference finals. So it's and not, he even got offered a contract the and, year after. And it's not unheard of. Right. And uh, so we wish uh, Kevin the best of luck. And, uh, you know, like I say, if he becomes a big media star, you know, we can say we knew him. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we'll continue to plug his documentary as well and his story. And uh, hopefully a team picks him up. So we appreciate everybody, though. This is obviously a very big deal for us. We don't want to forget pretty much right on our one-year anniversary for our podcast, around the time of us recording it at least. Yes. And it's big episode 50 episodes 50 can you believe it Andrew and by this time we should have shirts as well because I gotta remember we're talking like a few weeks before or after yeah now, we're gonna have to get some shirts out there for some hockey fans to wear around rinks yes. so we can get some publicity and we might have some contests for free shirts and stuff so you never know so keep updated and hopefully by this time too we'll have already launched our new website as well so I'm gonna go ahead and say check that out yeah that's gonna be good because not everybody there's a lot of people that don't like Twitter and for those that know you know I mean we've got full-time gigs and it's hard for us just to maintain and get these guests on and and the distribute well, well the research of it too and I mean, the research um, but many people are like yeah I don't go on Twitter I hate Twitter right. so and we just don't have time, even though we do have an Instagram page. It's hard. Man. It's, it's hard. It's hard. So, so, you know, people are like, well, why aren't you on Facebook? It's like, we, we can't do all this. No. But maybe a website is going to be a key for us. Yeah, so I hope so. We'll look for that in the near future. Other than that, we thank you guys very much for listening. We've got uh, plenty of guests lined up. I don't even want to mention some of them. They're no. going to be surprises. So uh, we're actually uh, booked pretty good. Yeah, we've got a lot of upcoming guests. And as you know, with our podcast by now, our shtick is kind of, we don't focus just on pro hockey players, whether they're ex-NHL players. We try and get everybody Every that's pro involved player. in the hockey world on. So we're obviously going to have tons of different guests from players, scouts, NHL PA agents, everybody. So we appreciate everybody continuing to support this father and son podcast. We wish everybody a wonderful week. Take care. Oh, and hockey season, by the time this is published, we'll be well into hockey season, but hockey's back. Go Boston Bruins, baby.